this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Diaz and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out union at Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining at patreon.com forward slash dig me out. And it just so happens, Jay, a member of our union is here. A real life member. A real life me- union member. Well, Whitney's more than just a union. Oh, yeah. Right? Whitney's, Where are you at here? He's on the board of directors. I, I think I'm on the board of directors. He is Whoa. a big deal. He's a big deal. Yeah. Do you realize you're basically running this show? Uh, if you guys do anything <laughs> I don't like, I'm going to let you know. Yeah. I mean, you can you can refer us to HR for any uh, improprieties or you know failure <laughs> to live up to our contractual obligations. You guys can vote Tim out. That's true. I can be voted out. <laughs> And replaced, or me. Replaced with a proxy. <laughs> and uh, Coy and Vance will take over. Mm. Well, we've been talking. You guys don't know about that, but... It's a goddamn coup. It's a coup <laughs> yeah. Enough with the um, with the silliness. You are here one year after your previous visit, roughly. It was February of last year, but we're in the early parts of March here. Last year, it was the Tories' Wonderful Life. That was your 12-month pick. You're back with your latest 12-month pick. Tell everyone, Whitney, Beeler, proper introduction, (laughs) uh, what is your pick for 2019? It is the debut album by Human Radio. Which is t- which is called Human Radio. It's self-titled. Yes. Came, came out what in nineteen. 19- oh yeah, I'm sorry. The self-titled. Yes. Yes. Uh, came out in 1990 on Columbia. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the band. Uh, what do you know as far as their backstory? Man, I know not a whole lot about Human Radio. I I don't even remember how I heard about them. I have a good friend who we uh, the radio. What did I say? No, I was going to say, did you hear from the radio? Did you hear him on the radio? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I think I heard him in a record store again or something and picked it up and saw them live in a small bar downtown here in uh, Minneapolis and and uh, met the guys. They were great and uh, just fell in love with the record. So they were from Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and they formed in 88 by lead singer Ross Rice. It's a five-piece band, and uh, signed to Columbia, put out their self-titled record that you mentioned. The track, Me and Elvis, reached number 32 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Tracks chart. What, what? Yes, 32. Wow, okay. And then they did tour. They did not get a second single. They were supposed to release it. It got canceled. And then they were uh, dropped. They actually relocated from Memphis to Nashville at some point, and they were doing demos, and then Columbia was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then they ended up ending the band in 92 and went their separate ways, some of them doing music in other bands. And then in uh, they had a Facebook page 
when you know that kicked off back for whenever in the early 2010s and in 2013 they said uh, they were starting to work on new music and then back in 2016 they actually put out their second album samsara that's a b- pretty big gap between records 26 <laughs> yeah, years it sure is between sure is. to follow up your debut record 26 years and it's the whole yeah. original lineup it's not like it's the lead singer plus a band, brand new backing band it's the whole original lineup of that band i would like I think to that know has to be, that has to be some kind of a record or something, yeah i like it? to know I mean, if there's geez. anybody else who's done that where they've had a you know a band with multiple members all the same what's the greatest gap between releases yeah that's crazy 26 years i listened to that album too and it's it's i like it um so i mean it it's still that same kind of poppy sound that this this uh the debut album has so um but they had like a a demo album that or a second album that they that they actually fully recorded but they and i think you mentioned that it never got released right and it's yeah. like high quality it's not like some rough demos it's like finished songs um it's also very good i think if 26 years that might be the record because uh, failure was at like 19 and i think royal trucks just put out a new record and i think it was like 20 years between records or something like that so I have to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do some internet research after this and determine what's the longest <laughs> gap for a band, not not just a solo person, but an actual full band putting out records. So Jay, yeah, for, ha- for them all to be the original members too is really strange. Yeah. Exactly. Jay, had you heard of Human Radio before this episode? No, not at all. Never heard the name. Never saw the album cover. No awareness of this band whatsoever. I as well. So. Yes, stump the stump the host. I did it again. That's <laughs> you twice. Totally, That's twice. Yep. Two for two. Two for two. We got some comments over at patreon.com forward slash dig me out on this particular album. Andy in Florida said, got a promo copy of this when I worked in record retail. Good album. My favorite is Hole in My Head. Listen to it with headphones. The separation of instruments is really cool. And then Steven Musinski said, I always look forward to a Whitney pick. And I'm glad to see he diverted a bit from the straightforward power pop gem, even though I do really love those. But this album is wildly diverse and somehow feels akin to Jellyfish, which interestingly enough came out the same year. This is ticking a lot of boxes for me, and I can't wait to hear the discussion on this one. Don't know a damn thing about this band album, but I'm ready to learn. I'm curious as to where Steven listened to that record because it's not on Spotify. At least it wasn't. I know it was on YouTube, so maybe he did the YouTube playlist that's up. Uh, it is on Google Play Music. Oh, okay. It streams there. Gotcha. Weird. I wonder why. Why Google Play? I think I saw that Deezer had it as well, but I mean, I don't think there's many people here that use Deezer, like maybe in the UK or something, but... Yeah, this was a, a a Columbia release, right? Yeah, yeah. Huh. I don't so, know why it wouldn't be on like you know Spotify. Maybe some small label re-released it and was able to get it on Deezer <laughs> of all places. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Guys, we're really gonna help you out. We're gonna release this record. We're gonna get you on Deezer. <laughs> if they're worried about selling that record after 26 years, right. they they need to get hobbies, <laughs> different, different ones. We're going to get you some, you know, some real traction. 
We're yeah, gonna get you on Take Me Out. We'll get you an interview on there. You guys are gonna sell a ton of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's talk about this record, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about Human Radio. Uh, I enjoy. Again, this is a chance for us to get into the early '90s, so I appreciate that, which we haven't covered very much. Um, I do like the. This feels like a pure pop record to me. Yeah, there's some power pop elements to it, but I, I think it, it feels more just like a general pop record done by a rockish band, I guess, a rock format band. Um, so, you know, I do appreciate that, um, and I enjoy that. Um, there's definitely some very 80s elements to the record that sometimes work in a just work straight up other times they work in more of a nostalgic way some of the keyboard patches and drum sounds are you know very 80s and sometimes it's uh kind of fun to hear and other times it's a little cringy but i do enjoy the you know the just the pop aesthetic of the band i like how you know they're dedicated and focused on melody i like that the songwriting's you know pretty concise but you know they do some explorations here and there in terms of either with genre, you know, they'll get into funk a little bit and they'll do some more like new wavy things. Um, there's definitely some Beatles feel here. Hole in My Head is a good example, um, even with the production of that. I say, hey, you say what? Five minutes later, you're calling me a pain in the butt and I'm out the door thanks to something that poured out of this hole in my head. You say why? So you kind of cover a spectrum of, I guess, 60s and 70s and 80s pop influences. Um, and it all kind of converges in this early 90s sound, which is some of the stuff sounds forward, like um, a little bit above, above, beyond, uh, before its time in that, you know, I hear bands like Cake and President of the United States and that sort of second half of the decade pop that came out cloaked as a tar- alternative rock and then there's like every other song is you know sounds like was not was or something like very 80s so it, there's this weird mix of the two um which i think very much reflects you know 1990 1991 where you know they're pushing they're trying new things but they're still one foot in the previous decade um so from that i think it's a good time capsule too yeah i want to hit on what andy brought up which is the production as far as the one thing i really liked about this record you really got to listen to it with headphones on because there is some like crazy interesting and weird in a good way choices that are made with like the way things are panned in certain songs and the way things are built upon each other with like different sounds and whether like you mentioned those like sort of 80s keyboard sounds crisscrossing with like some really interesting and weird i guess they're keyboards sometimes i can't tell if they're keyboards or guitars or what's going on in certain songs but there's just a lot of really interesting and weird choices that i liked with regards to how they produced it both in terms of the the sounds that they chose and then the way that they mix it it's uh everything is really 
crystal clear and that like really helps you to like you can focus in on certain instruments for a while if you just want to like listen to just keyboard stuff for a pass through the record it it helped you know listen to the record over and over again to just like this time all i'm going to do is like focus on the vocals or you know just the drums on this one to really dig into the album um and also you mentioned about those keyboard stuff like some of that was like there were parts in this that reminded me of like steely dan in some ways um not in that like showy guitar stuff that a lot of times they do but like um in the way that the keyboards were used in the way that the melodies were used it had this like 70s sort of it's i don't know what's still is steely dan just pop music or it seems like it's a little bit more refined than that and a little bit more technical it's always a jazzy there's always a jazzy element to them yeah like i got that from some of these songs as well and then jay mentioned like the funk like there's definitely that going on but not in like a red hot chili peppers sort of like annoying way but there's i mean there's one song monkey suit in well in my first million like it goes into like the end of that not the end but there's like a a keyboard solo stevie Stevie wonder style keyboard solo. oh yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, i think that's pretty cool yeah awesome pretty awesome totally not expecting it from that song because that's a good example of a song that has something that i really like which is that like what's that part? it's like this um low end i think it's a guitar but it's this really quick repetitive lick that's when he's singing about the my first million part but then there are yeah. these like keyboard parts that are like very like kajagoogoo or something i don't know what to, how, they're like so like it's not even like new wave it's like the soft new romantic electronic yeah. you know keyboard sounds that are and i'm like that's not sitting with me as well as the guitar stuff and then that like funk uh solo that's going on so you can hit i guess what i'm saying is you can hit a lot of different vibes across this yeah. record and, and a lot of times within the same song so Whitney, when you first got this album to when you've re- been, you know listened to it today, yeah, um, how has the album evolved for you over time in terms of what songs did you connect with initially and and what are your favorites now? Sure, when I first heard it, um, the song that clicked for me was my first million, and I know that it had some real light air, uh, airplay here in uh, Minneapolis where I'm at, and. Uh, 
and I hadn't really caught on to the me and Elvis one. So my first million was one I really liked first. And then uh, me and my buddy Jeff, we really started to like hole in my head and went, God, this is a great little just pop song, right? Um, and we noticed the kind of headphone kind of the way it sounded it better in headphones. This album was uh, one of the things that I really like about it is something that you mentioned is that it's you can, it's everything so well separated and not just like left and right. I mean, the way that you can hear the instruments. And when you said you listen to the record and just concentrate on the keys, right? So yeah, I, I do that with this album all the time. I'll be like, I'm just going to listen to the guitar. And I just, it's like, I always discover something new, right? Like a couple of days ago, I listened to this and there's a song called they are the day. These are the days. And there's some weird Popeye like background vocals going on that I never noticed before. And there's some guitar in another planet, which isn't a huge song with me, but the way I listened to guitar and I was just like, there's so much to hear going on here that uh, um, that's why I just like it so much. And we've made it sound like it's really eclectic, I think a little bit, but I don't think anybody could really listen to this and go, God, this is just too weird for me. I think it's really good to point out that these are like pop songs and really aren't like rock songs or like power pop stuff. It's, um, it, it's just straight up pop music that kind of fit in that weird spot between hair metal and, and, uh, and, uh, and grunge when everybody was just trying to figure out what to do next. And I think these guys kind of stumbled on something that brought a little, uh, you know, some elements from sixties and seventies. And I always was thinking, you mentioned Stevie wonder, which was cool, but then like, I always hear a little XTC in there somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's, so I just appreciate it cause it's just, it's just a really catchy album. And these guys are, super talented players you can just tell when i saw them live when they after they released this album in concert they were just terrific um one of the things so the album really hasn't weakened with me at all over the years but one of the things that is kind of like i never really noticed lyrically while i would sing along with the you know lyrics or whatever um some of the songs are just uh uh ross rice isn't exactly subtle i mean uh some of the lyrics and some of the songs are pretty much like, you're kind of dumb to think this way. And, you know, he's kind of, pre- some of the lyrics come off as kind of preachy at times, but uh, I, I still really, really like the record. And I think there's some clever lyrics in there and some kind of preachy stuff. But overall, I enjoyed as much as I did to begin, you know, the first time I heard it. I didn't, uh, I didn't pick up on the, the preachiness. The thing that I, I found like with me and Elvis again has that like weird very soft keyboard sound that threw me the first time i heard the song and i was like um what is this keyboard tone like this is (laughs) so not what i was expecting is that soft rock it is so it's so soft rock yacht rock but he does that line he goes it's me and elvis and then something 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 and he follows the same cadence and i was just like it started me i started like making up my own lyrics where I'd be like me and Elvis. And then I'd be like, I would just make up my own lyrics because like, you can just keep doing that and doing that and doing that and doing that the way that he repeats himself over and over again. I I'm, I'm, was thinking like, he must've drift drafted like 500 <laughs> things that him and Elvis did because <laughs> all you have to do is meet the, is meet the cadence of the, of the lyric. And you can just keep writing what any crazy adventure that you and Elvis want to have. And honestly, I think a lot of those Elvis uh, thing, the things he mentioned, him and Elvis did. I think Elvis actually like shooting the TV instead of changing the channels, or, or uh, you know, yeah, 
I think that was something like Elvis like notoriously did. I think he just pulled a lot of these Elvis stories out and somehow fit them into you know lyrically into that song, which is kind of cool. One thing about that song that I read, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm remembering this right, I think they were pretty. The band was pretty bummed when the record company said. Yeah, I mean, Elvis is going to be the first single because they thought, oh, great, here's this kind of novelty toss-off song that we just did, and this is the one that's the single. And I think they, I think I read that they were pretty disappointed that that happened. Well, yeah. they, they did put it first. Also oh, exactly, ex- exactly. <laughs> but I know I read that they that they that wouldn't have been their ideal, the band's choice for the first single. Yeah, I don't think it's typical. It doesn't it, like it, it's actually oddly like, I mean, when you get to the chorus, it's energetic, but those verses are not like super energetic in the way that it picks up in the chorus. Mm-hmm. Jay, what did you think of that song? Me and Elvis? Yeah. Not one of my favorites. Um, it's okay. It, it gets better. It starts off a, a little, uh, yeah, soft for me, uh, but it gets better as the song goes. Um, yeah, I, I want to go back to Whitney's comment about the lyrics because that was something that I didn't like about the record in that um, the lyrics can be very strong, but there's a couple tracks, uh, Me and Elvis, Monkey Suit, Electromagnetism, and Another Planet, where it's just, it, there's no subtlety or, oh, no. Uh, like, no. <laughs> like, there's no metaphor. It is just, Monkey well, Suit is exactly what you would think Monkey Suit's about. Like, you know, right on the nose, so... So, so I used to wear a suit when I went to work. I used, I like to play golf. I mean, he's like telling me those things are stupid, and I'm like, yep. those are a couple of things that I either did or kind of enjoy doing. Yep. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, well, maybe I kind of did, but okay. uh, I don't want to know. It's like about okay, don't pay attention to anything that's happening in the world that's bad. Just close your ears to it. You know, yep. that's and he's basically saying that's dumb. And then like these are the days. You know, that's that's not so bad. But like another planet is like super. Yeah. Like we're gonna run out of resources. We're gonna. You're. You're. You know. It's just very like. He had something to say, and he just didn't beat around the bush, man. He just said it. It's not a like poetic song about uh, the no. harms of destroying the planet. It's just straight up. Uh, and yep. it doesn't. It doesn't age well because it also a song like that. I when I listen to it, it very much. Um, I hear the politics of the early nineties and late eighties and, and the way he's phrasing things and talking about it. And the, the issue is still relevant, but just it's so direct that it yeah. doesn't age very well. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't seem re- relevant now, even though the topic he's talking about is very relevant. Um, yeah. yeah. The oppressive boot of George Herbert Walker Bush on Rod- Ross Rice or something. I don't know what was going yeah. on there, but, <laughs> Anyways, he was just he, no, I mean, he was just very very straightforward about the lyrics. Still, I love some of the lyrics are hilarious, but um it it's it doesn't really subtract that much from the album for me. I think NYC is a good example where it strikes a balance between you know, being a little bit more poetic and being direct. And that that works pretty well. It, the song works pretty well too. Pilot likely 
Yeah, the, the hole in my head's another one too, where the, the singing about how um, uh, you're calling me a pain in the butt, and I'm out the door, and they're arguing, but then she ends up keeping him anyways because she likes him after all, or something. You know, it's just it's a nicer tune that kind of insults, but it 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 kind of makes up the two kind of. You know, I you're a pain in the butt, but I I care for you anyways. It's that kind of thing, right? Yep. So, and that was one of the songs where you can hear their sort of contemporaries in Jellyfish, with like you know nods to the the classic power power pop in the sense of playing paying homage to like the Beatles and stuff. But I struggled to actually call this power pop because it's not power in the same sort of vein of which we've talked about with other bands so i'm not sure how to really even i mean it's pop music but it's not pop music in the sense it's not like you know mariah carey or something like that it's it's pop music of a very sort of specific style you mentioned xtc this is sort of like if xtc and stevie wonder (laughs) had a kid this is sort of what would come out. Yeah, I think there's a classic rock like vibe in there somewhere where, like you said, Steely Dan XTC is kind of in there. But then there's pop elements like, um, like I, you know, Stevie Wonder. I don't want to make it sound like it sounds like Stevie Wonder entirely. No. But the keyboards and stuff like that make it more pop. It's definitely not like power pop, and I kind of have a reputation for liking that. But uh, it's it's definitely not that to me. It's just straight ahead straight ahead pop music and then there's some rock elements guitar and stuff that that make it a little beefier than maybe mainstream pop was yeah but there's no uh i don't think there's any fuzzy or distorted guitars on this record they're all pretty clean yeah and when when the music gets big it's done through bass and keyboards and just intensity of playing and layering yeah yeah i think there's some some pretty um not i would I just say there's some pretty distorted guitar in like Monkey Suit, and I think Another Planet has like a guitar piece that I kind of followed. That's a little bit, you know, it's got some power chord elements to it or whatever. But yeah, for all for all intents and purposes, it's not a heavy. Gu- there's a lot of like violin going on yep. here. Um, so I, I think that's keyboards and violin are really the things that stand out to me the most. Jay, what? You mentioned the lyrics not working for you in some respect. Were there other aspects that did not work for you? Uh, I mentioned some of the keyboard sounds. I don't, I don't love a song like Monkey Suit. Again, it, to me, that sounds like, I don't know. I, I hear was not was or something like that. <laughs> like, uh, what the hell is wrong with was not was, Jay? Not my kind of thing. Uh, it's just a little too clean, and like, I'm not a huge funk fan either. If, if, I'd rather um, hear the like R&B side of the band than the funk side. Um, so, I mean, those are really the, the lyrics, the, some of the tones used. Oh, I don't love um, the tracks where I, they must be using a drum machine. Um, there's, there's definitely songs where it sounds like a straight up drum machine. There's songs where there's a drummer. Um, and I think the songs of the drummer just sounds so much better. They just sound alive. And um, the, songs with the drum machine it's just like that completely unnuanced kind of 80s drum sound which like super compressed everything's like loud 
Um, so you kind of lose some of the subtlety of the band and the in the performance when uh, without the drum performance. So uh, that would probably be another crit- criticism. Yeah, I. Other than some of those weirdly like dated keyboard parts, I don't have like huge issues with the sounds of the record. It's more like you mentioned with like Monkey Suit, it just being like it's not the right style for me. Like that that song just doesn't quite sit well with me. It's something that I would want to revisit as opposed to some of the other songs, like Hole in My Head or These Are the Days. Like they just have a a vibe that I'm more in tune with. So are do you have any things that have bothered you over the years with this record, Whitney? I think that I think that like another planet in harsh light of reality, uh, harsh light of reality, kind of, um, kind of, it kind of the the album fades kind of quickly for me with those last couple of songs, but um, like tunes like Monkey Suit and Electromagnetism really aren't necessarily my thing either. Um, some funk elements in there that seem a little too clean, like Jay said or whatever to me too, because I'm more of a guitar oriented person, but I but I do like those songs. Um, I don't find a lot to dislike about this this record at all, other than some of the lyrical content can be a little bit heavy, uh, and uh, I I just I think it's an extremely catchy record and very melodic. There's some decent harmonies, so I don't have too many things to too many nits to pick. All right, so if it's a catchy, poppy record. What what do you think happened in 1990 that this was not more successful? Was it the single choice? I mean, if it got up to number 32, I think it on, on the mainstream chart, it must have been a pretty popular single. Well, uh, the mainstream I, rock tracks chart, that's not the overall yeah, like, Billboard I know, Hot 100 yeah, or 200 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's like a I subset guess, chart. Yeah, uh, for me, I, I don't know. I'm mystified because a lot of times the stuff I really like never quite hits, and I don't know why. So I just get over the little complex I have and and move on. But I, I, I mean, I don't know why this wouldn't have been something that would be more popular. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think, and Jay, you can agree or disagree with me on this. I don't think that there is a blatant radio single on this. I think that the songs are poppy and catchy in their own unique ways but like i would have a hard time pinning down like what is the obvious radio single for like mainstream america in 1990 in the same way that i would have a hard time with like the first jellyfish record like what's the clear radio single that's going to go up against def leppard and duran duran yeah let's let's hit some of the top songs in 1990 for reference go for it hold on wilson phillips uh, it must have been love, Roxette. Um, uh, <laughs> nothing compares to you, Sinead O'Connor. Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. Vogue, Madonna. Vision of Love by Mar- Mariah Carey. Another Day in Paradise, Phil Collins. Oish. Hold On by En Vogue. That's a little sample of what was hot in 1990. Wait, there's two songs called Hold On? Yes. Wow. Wilson Phillips and En Vogue. All right, so I'm I'm just okay. So now I know why it wasn't popular. <laughs> so 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 now I, it's, I, that's why I was in the rock track tracks chart and not yeah, the Billboard right. 200. God, you brought back a lot of horrible memories. But anyways, like I think I think for me, my first million would be one that I think could have been a radio song. 
So I'm looking for a rock song, uh, what we consider rock. The highest one I can find is Cradle Love by Billy Idol. Yep. So there's very little rock. I mean, it's probably the last big single from him because that's 1990, and then I don't think he does has a big single in the 90s. Nelson, Can't Live Without Your Love and Affection. Poison, Unskinny Bob. We are... <laughs> It is a dark period for rock and roll. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> you got another oh, another year before that uh, that darkness lifts. My oh, God, my Phil God. Collins owned nineteen ninety. Well, it's, yeah, was that the Both Sides album? I don't know. Something happened on the way to heaven. One of the songs. I wish it would rain down. I don't even know any of these. You don't? Crazy. Oh, I was wow. a I was a huge Phil Collins fan in in the in the eighties. <laughs> Oh, also, this is the uh, this is the year of Millie Vanilli. Yeah, so basically, music was at a, a real nader, you know, because you had rock set in there too, right? Which weren't they? Didn't was it them that were also they didn't sing? No, they sang, but it was a weird like manufactured Swedish thing. Oh, okay, but do you think oh. that this album wasn't was a, a an effort to like be part of that? You know what I mean? It was, does it seem like this was something that was meant to be like, you know, top 100 billboard chart type of thing? I mean, no, I, I think at best you'd be on like alternative nation. Right. You know, on MTV. Right. Yeah, that's that's the best you could do with this, because even though it's quote unquote poppy, it's not meeting the standard of what 1990 was in terms of mainstream radio and and uh getting on mtv during the daytime so mm-hmm. it would it me and elvis is then the right choice because it's the most novelty-ish song and that's what you were going to need to get to break through yeah it probably was the right pick even though they didn't care for it i don't think um i think it probably was the right pick yeah because from the sounds of what jay's reading that list is oh my god uh, well that's what i think is um one of the things that um, go back to what I liked about this record is I do hear some formula that other bands use later in the decade. Like I hear Guster and Cake and President of the United States and like some of the bands that were essentially pop bands, but they roughed it up with a little bit rawer kind of, you know, presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, I could hear some of this material working in that way, like strip it down to you know, a little bit more of a raw organic sound, get rid of some of the, you know, the eighties keyboard stuff. And and I think some of this songwriting is strong enough that it would work, you know, presented differently. And especially with the little novelty bits here and there, you know, something like me and Elvis, maybe if done in 1997 with a different kind of a slightly different production, maybe works better uh, than it does in 1990. Yeah. When was the, when was uh, the spin doctors and, um, the crash test dummies and when were those things happening? I want to say like 94, 95. Okay. Right. So a little later. All right. I thought maybe it fit into that weirdness. Right. So, but that was kind of like, I think they were the first wave of like, okay, we've, we did the hardcore grunge thing for a year or so. Let's get back to some pop bands. And those were sure. My memory serves as like some of the first where it was like, Hey, you know, we're, we're an alternative band. When you're listening to it, you're like, you're just a pop band. (laughs) Like, sure. With fuzzy guitars, like. Let's talk about our overall ratings on this record. Were the album better EP or decent single? Jay, 
Well, it's a 40 minute album, which is good. Coffee could start there. <laughs> uh, we're not in the, the 70 minute territory. That said, though, I'm still going to go with an EP. I like uh, Don't Want to Know, Hole in My Head, These Are the Days, My First Million, which I think is probably the best song on the record. NYC. And I, I like Harsh Light of Reality. It's a little dreamier. I think they do that sound well. A little bit more, I don't know, psychedelic, I guess, um, on the pop side. So, yeah, I'm at about six songs, six, five to six songs. And I, I think that would be a, a solid EP. Yeah, I'm at roughly the same songs, probably like five. Let's see, one, two, three, four, or five to six in that same range. Yeah, I'm going to EP as well. I think I think maybe some of it might have to do with the like I don't love me and Elvis being up front. Maybe that needed to be middle of the album or something like that, and I would have liked it. But it just starts it off on like a weird foot for me. So maybe the order has to be. You know what? I up. I agree with that. That's a good observation. The it, it does set you in a, a. It sets a certain expectation when you hear that, um, and it takes some. Curves. I think the three songs after that start to, you know, establish other directions. But then you get back to Monkey Suit, and you're like, uh, maybe that's what. Maybe I was right with me and Elvis. Like this is more of like a novelty kind of thing. This is more like Oingo Boingo than. <laughs> Again, what's wrong with Oingo Boingo? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. Now. He's got some real issues with some very fine 80s synth pop bands next thing you're gonna start pooping on animotion or human league and i'm gonna get real angry save it for the 80s podcast that's right <laughs> whitney were the yeah, album so, better ep decent well, single? yeah i mean i think it's a worthy album right. i thought about i toyed with the idea of saying you know maybe i should just uh recommend a piece of junk or something but i was like nah i kind of want them to hear this record i was certain you guys were going to say it was a worthy album but now that i talked about it with you i can see where some of these things uh would be you know some of these songs are uh you could probably say you could trim off if you weren't as 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 fond of them as i am i certainly like the thought that you guys are talking about about rearranging the play order of these things and I think you guys have suggested that in past podcasts. Like, if you like juggled around some of the songs, you start out so fast with me and Elvis, and then you really swing into like a softer mood or a lighter mood with the next three songs. If you kind of mixed up the order here, would you have a better record for you guys to listen to? Um, maybe, you know. But I, I just think this is just really quality. You know, really good musicians and um, really quality songwriting. I think um, so. That's why I like it so much. So if you're listening to the podcast and you go to YouTube or Deezer or wherever, Google Play to check this album out, try not starting with me and Elvis. Start with My First Million or something yeah. else and see. My, right. my First Million is a good starting point, I think. Yeah. And if you're a band making a record and you would like us to <laughs> properly order it for you for a small <laughs> fee, Jay and I will be happy to give your record a listen and give you the actual proper track list that you should utilize the correct track list. the correct track <laughs> the list. last the last word we're like the rick rubin of track listing we don't we don't actually produce the record we just tell you the right order to put the songs in i just um i i just lay i um lay on the floor in my house and you guys just facetime in and then i listen 
I tell you the answer. And then they deposit a few I million mean, in your Venmo. Right. <laughs> Thanks. And then you go away. Yeah, that's it. That's how it works. <laughs> well, you know, Whitney, people have this year decided that they were going to bring us some records that they didn't love and see how we reacted. So I appreciate that you did bring one that you do love and we didn't, uh, you know, fully embrace it, but we did find a lot that we liked and we definitely were intrigued by this. So thanks for letting us uh, have a listen. And and yeah, I'm curious to know what that album sounds like that they put out in 2016. Now I want to go listen to that and yeah, see if so, they use so the same it's... keyboard patches. Yeah. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not the, the musician that you guys are, but um, I do know that like you can hear the the unreleased second album that came that they were going to release in '92. You can go out to like SoundCloud, and I think if you search for Ross Rice in there as a tag or whatever you're searching for, I think you'll be able to find that entire album is out there. Oh wow! Um, so and it it's it's good. I mean, I like it, but you know, uh, it, um. I also got sent it on, I got sent the demo on cassette before it was released or, or the, I have it on cassette here, but I tried to record it. It sounds so horrible because it's a 25 year old cassette, right? But uh, you, that was, I was pleased to see that you, you could hear that on SoundCloud, the, the one that never got released. And there's some really decent tunes in there too um, that you might like. So. Cool. SoundCloud, everybody. Go check it out. Well, this is a, this album's very much what this podcast is uh, about. Yeah. So this is what we were founded on. And also, thank you for picking something from the from 90, 1990. So we're trying to cover more yeah. ground in 90, 90 and 91. We're really light. So good pick. Yeah, I think I remember you guys talking about that. And I was like, ah, oh, this one this one will work. So. And I yeah. can't quite figure out if I was going to pick an album that I hated, how I would be familiar enough with it to actually, other than hearing it like one or two times and going, God, I hate this and putting it on a shelf like 25 years ago and then pulling it back out and going, this is the one. You know, I, don't, I don't know how that works. I would have to uh, imagine it would be a band that you really liked, but there's one album in their catalog that has completely like aggravated you. Like I have that. I have, there's like one or two bands that I, I really like, but there's like one record and I'm like, what was I thinking on this album? Why? Or maybe I just, I don't know. I don't know why I don't like this record, but I just don't like this record. And I have plenty uh, of records that uh, I bought for, used or discounted or cut out bins and like listen to them one time. I was like, I don't get this. I paid a buck. It's all right. But, uh, I think we've pulled out from time to time before, uh, when we were doing all the programming. That was, uh, yeah. A, a source to go pull stuff from and just take a completely fresh listen. Like, Oh yeah, this existed. Let's see what yeah. it's about. You mean like the cars panorama, right? I mean, <laughs> Exactly. That one's great, though. That one's great, though. Sorry. Anybody who doesn't think it is is wrong or isn't as wrong. <laughs> We've been on a run here of strange keyboard sounds. Yeah. Need to invest in some keyboard stocks because they're going to go up. <laughs> right. All right. Whitney, thanks so much Thank you. for uh, coming back and, and joining us. You have uh, 11 and a half months to plan your next pick. Yes. I'm going to start as soon as we get off the phone. <laughs> And if you want to be like Whitney, you can just go over to Patreon and join the board of directors and yep. just cut in line and make your pick. And we will review it. And maybe we like it and maybe we won't, but we'll be honest with you. It's the best policy. Yep. If you like what you heard, consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. 
So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash digmeout and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. But I-